Want to know more about what your favorite ninjas have on their minds? Check out the American Ninja Warrior podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts, and it's a great listen for any Ninja Warrior fan. Hello, and welcome to the Managing Widget podcast. This is your host, Kian Sobani. In a moment, we're going to be joined by Tiago Stavao, a Portuguese football analyst, to talk about Militao and how much he is on board the Eder Militao hype train. Before we get to that, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to our patrons. Patreon.com slash Managing Madrid is where you go to pledge. You can get different rewards based on your pledge, and Lord knows if you're not on Patreon yet, you're missing a ton of bonus content. Last night, Gabe and I did a podcast of Mega Mailbag to answer your questions about Zidane's return, his revenge tour, what happens to this player and that player, transfers in and out, um, and a ton more. It was a really fun podcast, which you all should uh, make sure you have access to. We also do our weekly loan tracker every Tuesday. Matt Wiltsey and I review the players on loan. Every midweek game is covered only on Patreon. So again, patreon.com slash managingmadrid is where you go to pledge. Shout out to these $10 plus patrons because if you pledge $10 or more, one of your awards is you get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to Mikhail Nilsson, Frederick Sundros, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Nick DeStefane, Adam Dorsey, Leon Stavronakis, Christian Gonzalez, Bjorn Salvador, Nicole Gant, Sergio Monleon, Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Saad Omar, Sheikh Atiri, Oluwapamimo, Oludunjoy, Christian Toft, Dan Berthy, Armin Gashi, Tarek Sphere, Tyler Dixon, Raghav Potluri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Kohut, Sujai Wani, Peña Maridisa, San Francisco Bay Area, Catherine Fagundo, Vinod Baratula, Zoran Basinchic, Swaya Yala, Crystal Glass, Rafael Servia, Umar Mahadi, Magnus Lext, Jason Fitz, Anton Hackberg, Solomon Ortiz, Daniel Smith, and Brendan Powers. You guys are all freaking amazing. And without further ado, this is your Managing Midget Podcast Friday Bonus Edition with Tiago Stavao. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. Wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Welcome to a bonus edition of the Managing Widget Podcast. It is Friday, March 15th, and we wanted to squeeze in a little bit of extra for you guys because Real Madrid have signed Eder Militao, and joining me to help uh, bring some more light to the signing, talk about his strengths, his weaknesses, and and just get you all on board the hype train is Tiago Estevao. I totally probably butchered your last name, but Tiago, welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? How bad did I get your last name? It wasn't that bad. Can you just like, one more time? The, you told the, me off air, but say it on air again. Uh, Stefan. It's weird. Well, it's, I think it's the e at the beginning of, that that throws me off. Because everything you, you throws everyone it. off. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're on your Eder Militao uh, basically tour, where you're going around and answering questions about how great he is. Maybe just uh, to yeah. So basically, if he flops, it's on me. It but is. Okay. You, you, you're really, really hyping him up, um, which on one hand gets us really excited, but on one hand can be dangerous because we Real Madrid fans have been through 
very promising signings before that haven't panned out. Maybe before we get into all that, can you just tell us about what you do and your work and, and, and what kind of what you, the scope you cover? So I'm a football analyst. I used to be a freelance football analyst. Now I work for an analysis company working with like clubs and the sort doing like data analysis and tactical analysis and all that kind of thing. Um, we work with teams mainly in Portugal right now, but I'm often, arguably too often on Twitter, uh, spewing opinions and thoughts about uh, football in general, but with a little bit more emphasis on Portuguese football since I live here and it's kind of my bread and butter. But yeah, that, that's basically it. And I'm hyped about this. You, um, well, you basically have started the thing about Militao Tiago is, is that's interesting to me. Is like as good as he is, and as good as he's looked, the sample size is small, right? Because we have we have him so far. We had him about about half a year in Europe. The yep. the Sao Paulo, the Sao Paulo thing happened very quickly because he played about one and a half, two years of football at the top flight. He was with them since he was thirteen, but at a very professional high level. It was really his last year in Sao Paulo that he broke out. And then Porto yep. signed him, and then bang. Like, he was just on the map, and he was he was phenomenal. Yeah, like, his, his, his numbers, his data in, in Brazil looked really good. And he just and his footage looked really good, and everything about him looked like a sure thing. But, like, this this middle step at Porto was definitely, definitely important. He was running out of contract at the time that Porto bought him. And they still invested. They still had to invest like seven million euros, which is relatively like a relatively big move for a Portuguese team, particularly on a player that was running out of contract. But he he looked good. Um, as I said on Twitter, I was slightly afraid um, of the position that Porto would play him in because in Brazil he used to play centre back, right back, or even the M at the time uh, at times. But I think for the most part, he played as a right back. And um, his characteristics don't really fit what a Porto right back or even what a Real Madrid right back would necessarily fit uh, because he just doesn't add enough in the final third. He doesn't act as a second winger. He's just a very solid, if unspectacular, right back. But everything about him um, makes you think of a spectacular truly spectacular like ball-playing centre-back. And as soon as he came in, uh, Porto gave him a spot in the centre of the fence next to Felipe, who also plays for... Who's, who's another Brazilian who's been here for a while. And he did really well. Like, as soon as he hit the ground running, I, I said on Twitter that I'd never seen a player generate this much consensus this quickly. And I really think that's true, because here normally... I'm talking like amongst fans and uh, beyond Porto fans, like every Benfica fan, every sporting fan, as soon as they saw Militão for like a month, they were just like, yeah, this guy is too good to be here. Like, they weren't like annoyed that he was performing. They were annoyed that they didn't have him on their team or that like he was even here to begin with because he was so, um, so good that everyone could see that, you know? So that that's very interesting to me because fans here are very uh, rivalry-based. And they will uh, shut down any hype on opposition players and all that kind of thing. 
And Mugaton didn't really, like that didn't really happen with him. It was kind of one of those things where it's was just like everyone unanimously agreed that he was way too good to be here for long, and that that's what happened basically. The uh, the positioning thing is at least intriguing because he comes over as this uh, by by name. Uh, a versatile defender who can play multiple positions, center back, right back. You mentioned uh, a defensive midfield. That's probably a very rare appearance where he gets it. Gets yeah, that he never position. I, he never played DM in Portugal, but I think he did right. in Brazil for a little bit. Um, you, I know you've tried to kind of put some cold water on the idea that he's terribly versatile, because I know that. He, he, his father, and also Titi, the Brazilian national team coach, have all said his best position is center back. Is do you yeah. think? In my eyes, Real Madrid have signed him as a center back. Do you do you see him as like this really that all versatile kind of player, or, or just center back? Like it is what it is. He's a center back. Well, I think uh, I think that was the closest I came to finding a flaw on him. <laughs> was just saying, yeah, he's versatile, but he's not that versatile. Mm. My my point with that is just that. I think he has everything to be an elite center back and at the very worst case scenario he's already a very good center back. And uh when it comes to DM I've never even seen him play DM like he played DM for a very short amount of time. And as a right back he's fine. Like don't get me it's never going to be a flaw that you're looking at a player and he's like oh he can do multiple things. But I just I I I put a little bit of cold water about when people told when people said that he was super versatile because I really don't see him as a right back for Real, especially not when you have Odilio Zola, when you have um, Carvajal. I'm not even sure if Carvajal is fit at this point, but it doesn't really matter. Like The profile is very, very different. And he's done fine as a right back. And since January, uh, to give you an idea, since January, Pep came in, Pep came back in to Porto. And uh, yeah. And uh, the Porto manager tried to fit all three of them, Felipe, Pepe, and uh, Militão, in the 11 at the same time. That was, that meant uh, switching Militão to the right-back spot. And that just, I think that basically kick-started Porto's awful run into the new year because it just messed up the way they, they used to build up through the center because Militão is essential there. Messed up the way they used to attack because they didn't have a right back that would offer as much support as the previous one did because Militão is very very solid and like he doesn't really put in a foot wrong at right back but he doesn't quite offer the influence in the final third that a uh, Porto right back demands or that a Real Madrid right back demands uh, for that matter. So he should be fine there, uh, and he should arguably be very fine there if you're using this sort of asymmetrical system with Marcelo really bombing down the left and then you almost have a three-back uh, with Militao starting off as a right-back but then tucking in and just having Marcelo as a more um, a full-on attacking wing-back on the left. Interesting. But I really don't see Militao performing the exact role that Carvajal does, for example, you know? I was going to ask you about the Pepe arrival and how that's changed and how Conceição is having him on the right a bit. Um, but are you kind yeah, of... It, it, yeah. was, it wasn't nice. It, like, it, I understand the idea that Pepe is a very big-name player. And Pepe's, Pepe like himself has done fine, right? He's not the youngest guy in the world, but he's super experienced. He's like, still a smart defender, still really good in the air. He's still completely fine. 
and Porto are going to be more or less fine with him and Felipe. But then the, the entire consequences that this brought to the team at the macro level was not good. They started losing points. Like their attack suffered a lot, mostly. Like defensively, they were better, and I assumed they might even play all three of them with Militao on the right against Liverpool, for example. But in the league where you need basically a second winger from fullback, Militao doesn't offer that. And uh, where you need your centre-backs to be a lot more progressive on the ball, Pepe doesn't offer that as much as Militao does. So it just kind of snowballed the team into a little bit less consistency uh, on the ball. And that that kind of hurt their season. I'm not sure they realise that yet or if they're still going to try to force it. Uh, but lately, Militon has returned to the centre. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if, for example, if you're looking at it in the Champions League against Liverpool, that's a scenario where I could see all three of them starting and where I can see that even being a good idea, arguably. Hmm. But in a, in a regular basis in the league, it's not... Uh, it's not the best plan, as they, as they've grown to find out. So you think that? I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen much of. Like, I I don't know the intricacies of Porto and how they do things as much as you do, obviously. Against Liverpool, you so you could foresee Conceição just going. You know what, Militao, Pepe, and Felipe against Liverpool, and and yeah. maybe you talk yourself into to kind of keep Robertson in check on that left flank or the, the front three, just that defensive security with Militao there with all three of them. You could see that. Yeah, yeah. against Liverpool, it's a scenario where I can see that. They've done that multiple times in the league since January. It just doesn't work the same way because you have, you're forced to have the ball like 60% of the time and you're forced to be creative. And Militao doesn't offer as much as any offensive right back would. And that's really the priority when you're having a league game in Portugal. When he and, uh, yeah, well, when Sorry. he when when he does drop back into the center back position, who is it that gets dropped, Felipe or Pepe? Well, they've been kind of rotating, rotating because injuries okay. and suspension and all, and all of that. And there was the scenario where in early February, Militão got pushed off the team for like two weeks, and due to off field occurrences that we don't know that much about because I only know what the press. Um, told the people per se, but a supposed party that Militao went to that he shouldn't have gone to is the story that came out uh, in the day before a match day uh, or in the night before a match day in this case. And That's... then he got dropped off the team for a little bit and that led to Pepe and Felipe starting together oh, for interesting. a little bit. Um, so that, I mean, that scenario that you mentioned is kind of like if we're really str- trying to clutch at a weakness that might be it, which is which is not even a story we really have all the details on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's one of those things where, like, I don't feel comfortable talking that much about because, similarly, because I only know what the press gave me and I don't, like, I'm, I'm not inside Porto. I can't tell you what actually happened. So yeah. I think it's very troublesome for you to start talking uh, from, like, like, I like to talk about what I know and I definitely don't know enough about that story. But... Um, but 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 that's that's that was the thing that happened. Now whether it's completely true, where like I'm sure there is some truth to it, or you wouldn't have gotten dropped for fifteen for like two weeks or so. But at the same time, I don't know the full. Um, or no one knows the the full story. No no one knows the full story of the punishment. Um, but yeah, that happened for a little bit, and now he's back in the team for the the last league game. They played all three of them again. Militon played on the right. Uh, 
and again they had a lot of a little bit of trouble breaking down uh, one of the worst teams in the league but it, it is what it is uh, I think Madrid is bringing him in as a center back I think you you know that and I think you should be excited about that because I am too I think he's a very very good very very good center back so I um I need to test you a little bit and it's <laughs> and I my only my only point in just kind of trying to bring up counter arguments to how good he is is only just to see if we can play devil's advocate and see. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I so, and, that, and that's I, I think he's a great signing. I just wanted to to kind of poke you a little bit with some things, okay? Um, and this, I wanted to read just verbatim a, a Twitter DM that's been circulating on Twitter with you and um, someone on Twitter named Ashwin Rahman. Which, you... which, let me let me defend myself please, before this please. comes along. Uh, I was perhaps a little bit less candid than I usually am tweeting, uh, but that's because I DM'd Ash that like a couple of months ago, and I didn't realize he was going to publish it, and he did. <laughs> so it is what it is. Uh, but that's fine. Like I own my opinions on that. And let me just uh, cool off when I say that he's the best center I've seen in Portugal. Mm-hmm. I happen to be young, so I don't actually have any reasonable memories of watching Ricardo Carvalho in Portugal, for example, or even my early memories of Pepe are like, weren't like analyzed memories per se. So Milito is definitely the best center I've seen in Portugal. Right. And I thought, I don't think it's close. Well, we do have, Real Madrid does have a good track record of Portuguese center backs because Pepe and Carvalho were both phenomenal for Real Madrid. I mean, that one year where we had Pepe and Carvalho together, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, no, I remember. I definitely remember Ricardo there. Yeah. I just don't remember Ricardo back here. in Portugal. Yeah, because <clears throat> um, some some Real Madrid fans are, you know, they bring up the point easy. Just another Danilo two Like I, I think it's really unfair to start comparing to everybody who you signed from Porto just because that's the only common denominator between them is that they played for Porto and they they were defenders and. And uh, and Militao has some experience as a right back. I I think that's it's a bit unfair. We we did not see the Danilo we saw at Porto here, um, but that could have been uh, due to a variety of factors. But I wanted to ask you, um, you and you still pretty much you still like, didn't even lose money on Danilo, so it's not like no. From a business perspective, it was fine. It was kind of whatever. Yeah. Um, his his coach in Sao Paulo, Diego Aguirre, says that uh, he thinks as great as Militao is, and he said this, mind you, when, when Militao was still in Brazil and he was on his way to Porto, that he needs to listen to the coach a bit more and and ask for advice and get allow people to take him under his wing. Is there anything at Porto that you felt that backs that up, or you think he's just he has a good head on his shoulders? I mean, uh, up to the, the whole situation that happened last month, mm. I didn't see any signs, any factors that would make me think that he didn't have his head on his shoulders. You know? Uh, yeah. the, whole, the whole party situation last month really came out of the blue for me, personally, just because I didn't feel like it fit into the or into the personality that, that I crafted for him in my mind. It might not necessarily be his personality, you know? Uh, but you, you only know what you what you know. But in, I'm, I'm sure you'll have to be taken under someone's wing, per se, because he, well, he's going to be competing with Varane and, and Sergio Ramos. So it's 
like you can't just come in and be a reckless figure and try and uh, I don't know uh, <laughs> try and not be a team player per se. But I I, I didn't see any other signs of like misbehavior or recklessness and all that. But I think again that's the the type of question that would be interesting to hear someone that's worked with him recently, not just in Brazil, uh, mm. talk about. But, yeah. but he's done like there was no absolutely no problem with him here like up until early 2019 when that happened and even then like everything seems to be uh cooled off i guess so how do you think he'll cope with um more tests and i the reason i say that is because porto have a phenomenal defensive record in portugal obviously he is a big reason of that um because he's been so good for them at the back Porto just like their XG against is dramatically low. And like, so do you think when, if he comes to Real Madrid and, you know, whether it's big games in the Champions League or which Porto do play, by the way, or in La Liga where he plays in a team which has historically and in recent memory have been very vulnerable defending in transition, he gets tested more. How do you think he'll cope in that situation? I mean, it it's a slightly different scenario, but at the same time, it's, not that different in the, not that different in the sense that he will for the most part be having to deal with uh, quick defensive transitions and that's the main thing and that's the main thing that happens at Porto as well like with a, like a lesser degree of success I I guess um, but it also has to do with the much lower quality of everyone underneath the four big teams in Portugal while in Spain, like teams from teams from mid table down still have attackers that can make you play in a couple of transitions, right? So the the scenario in which he's gonna be the the scenario in which in which he's gonna be defending um, is somewhat similar, you know. Uh, whether he'll deal with it or not in terms of like the improve the improvement of the opposition. Um, I think you got to look into the Champions League for that. And in the Champions League, has been really good, regardless. Like, I, I, I'm aware that Porto had the easiest group in the Champions League. I, I get that. And I also get that Roma aren't necessarily the juggernauts that they perhaps once were. But they, he's done really well in the Champions League. He's mostly carried on with his quality into the Champions League. And he hasn't had that much trouble dealing with their attackers now i'm sure you'll have a, i'm sure it'll be some time until he completely adapts and all of that but i think even in that sense this is the ideal scenario for him to sign uh, for real right you have your your center back duo is pretty settled right uh, mm-hmm. sergio ramos and, and varan varan is obviously going to be continuing as a starter forever sure or close to that he's 25 Sergio Ramos is 32 or he's going to be 33 this month which was what I was saying on Twitter like you needed a replacement for Sergio Ramos a a long-term replacement and I think this is it now does that mean that Sergio Ramos gets dropped no but like he's he's going to be 33 he gets suspended a lot he picks up an injury here and there there's a ton of competitions there's a ton of rotation perhaps 
in the biggest match of the season, or like in the earliest big game of the season, it's going to be Sergio Ramos and, and Varane anyway, right? So you you will you won't have that pressure of having to be the starting centre back right away, right? But at the same time, you'll have enough opportunities to settle in and do all those things. So I think it's a it's a good scenario for him to be in. And you'll kind of assume that third centre-back spot. And I'm really interested in seeing whether or not um, Zidane experiments with the three at the back. And perhaps we'll, we'll see some, some, some new tra- tactical approaches there. Because he really offers that option. And with all three of them, that's a thing. And even, even Nacho can, can do well there. And he's, he's a good centre-back. So maybe... Check out the American Ninja Warrior podcast for a behind-the-scenes look at all the action of the show and more with your favorite competitors. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Spencer Hall. I'm Holly Anderson. I'm Ryan Nanny. I'm Jason Kirk, and we're the hosts of the Shutdown Fullcast, your Avengers of college football podcast. It says here in the script I'm to riff on what that means, and basically what I mean is it's all already spoiled. Every Tuesday, we talk about everything from cooking disasters to pro wrestling to unfashionable pants we wore in middle school. We also do talk about college football every now and then, like mascot fights, announcers fleeing the booth early, and unfashionable pants that coaches wear now. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it should be taken, subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. You mentioned Ramos. Um Obviously, like Real Madrid fans are excited and intrigued by the idea that Militao may be the replacement for Ramos. I mean, time will tell if he is, but he's an intriguing option. Is that also a good player comp for him? Because Ramos started his career as a right back, famously. Um, Now, Militao transitioned to center back much earlier in his career. Ramos played there for a few years before going to center back. And, And now we know that's his best position. Can you think of a better comparison? No, I think that that comparison is solid, like profile-wise. I think um, Ramos is like if you perhaps had to find a flaw on Sergio Ramos, uh, which isn't easy because he's obviously very good. Uh, but if you had to find a flaw, it would obviously be like arguably his temperament and like yeah. perhaps his defensive positioning sometimes because he's a bit reckless, right? And yeah. Militao is very, very good positionally, and he's very smart. And I don't think he's that reckless playing. But I don't think he's. I also don't think he's quite that powerful physically. Like he's very good, but Sergio Ramos is just this, uh, just incredible going forward. That said, like I think it's a very good player comp. Like they both have the complete skill set of a ball playing center back, and he as everything you want in a possible Ramos replacement. Uh, and I think that's the idea behind the signing, whether it works out or not. It's a different story, but I think the entire point, the entire idea was to bring in someone that can be introdu- introduced into the team at any point because he's already very, very good, but that at the same time, he's young, he has, a, he, like, he has time to learn, he can take in knowledge from Ramos and from Varane. He's under no pressure except if like Ramos gets injured or something. So like, I think this is a very beneficial scenario in that sense. And uh, the comparison is good, I think. Thiago, uh, 
really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this. Um, can you just also, well, I mean, we'll, we'll link your Twitter in the show notes so people can follow you and follow your work. Um, but anything you want to plug before we wrap it up? No, just if it doesn't work out, I guess it's on me. So <laughs> this uh, is the so main that, reason we're plugging your Twitter handle so that people can, yeah, so I can they know where to views. attack. Yeah, basically. Uh, that's fine. And I think it's worth remembering that, like, I, I know a lot of Real Madrid fans are slightly upset that he's not the leaked and that sure. you probably you probably won't have both, right? Because if you're getting Militao, you're not getting the leaked. But the leaked would be more expensive. And the leaked is, like, I don't watch the leaked on a, on a daily basis, but, like, I don't think right now the leaked is better than Militao. I think he's younger and he can, he has the potential to be very very good and argue, he has arguably a higher ceiling than than Militao. Interesting. But in terms of adapt like quickness of in terms of adaptation to the scenario and in terms of just what he can offer as soon as he comes in, I think Militao gets you a good deal um, and money wise as well. So just give him some time. I know he's not delayed, but he he'll be fine. You'll be fine. I think I hope. Well, the lift also has bag- baggage in the sense that not baggage. Baggage is a, is a harsh word. He has the Raiola factor, which is, a, is yep. a nightmare on its own. He has a higher price tag, and it seems to me like the biggest trump factor for him is that I think he just want he has his heart set on Barca anyway. They all do, right? Yeah. I don't know what they do at Ajax, but they all like. It's the Ajax connection with with Barca and the Cruyff and. The, and you know, all the swooning they do. Plus, their... plus Zayat's not due out. So, like, do you really want to get a player that not due out? Like, Sometimes, no. yeah. <laughs> well, when okay. we play against them, we see them firsthand how good they are. I think that also is is part of the deal. Like, you when you, you're kind of harrowed by it, you're like, I want that guy. I need I need that guy on my team next year. Um, but, but again, I think it he has his heart set in Barca. So, I mean... It, very real scenarios we see the future of classicos is Militao versus Delip, which would be kind of fun. So Tiago, once again, thank you so much for, for doing this, my friend. Uh, pleasure having you on and yeah, no uh, wish you all the best. Thank you so much.